What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. A Celtic State of Mind. I am Paul John Dykes. You know this is episode 1080. I'm joined by Colin Watt and Kevin McCluskey, who is in the studio all the way from Budapest. Kevin. Paul, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. You've got a certain hue that makes Colin and I look a wee bit peely-wally. Fair play. That, was, Fair that play. was me picking up my rugby park sundown yesterday as well. And look at you, Kev. You're looking like you've come all the way over here. Never mind being for hungry. You look like a Greek Adonis over there. It does, eh? He's got that Harry Kiel going on. Kev, sorry. You're not getting too much of this. You'll get big heated. Right. Episode 1080. Welcome to the show, Colin and Kevin. It's always a pleasure. On a Monday afternoon, we've got loads to talk about, uh, but let's focus on yesterday. Let's talk about the performance. Colin, you were at the game, the the only one of the three of us who were there. Talk us through the performance, and obviously we'll start specifying certain um, players and their performances, but just overall, uh, tell us us about your day. Yeah, it was interesting. Obviously, fantastic weather for it. Um, One of the warmest days of the year we've had so far. Um, 
and it was quite interesting to hear um, the comments from McInnes post-match, uh, pre-match, sorry, saying that they weren't going to water the pitch because they didn't see any point in it. They said it would just dry out anyway. I mean, that's generally what happens with, with pitches, but you've still got to keep maintenance of them. There was a deliberate tactic yesterday. You could see it from the word go. It's always the sort of um, heavy-handed tactics Anytime you play a Derek McInnes team. They came mm. in, they tried to have a go at Celtic from the word go. And as I said on Friday night's edition of the State of Scottish Football, I thought if Celtic got an early goal, then the floodgates could open. It took a wee bit after the first goal for the floodgates to open, but Celtic kind of clicked into gear, especially after the water break in the first half. And you could tell that if Celtic wanted to score more, they could have yesterday. It was another one of those sort of polished performances from the boys. Um, again, I don't think we've managed to get out a second or third gear. I still think there's more levels to come from this team. And that was even bringing that sort of performance in. The pitch obviously didn't help at all because it was a shambles yesterday. You could see the ball bobbling all over the place. There was players sliding left, right and centre. So, I mean, it was clearly a tactic that was driven by Kilmarnock and it didn't work for them. If it wasn't Kyle Lafferty going up with the elbows, it was the, the bobbly pitch. They, they only had one way of playing football yesterday. And when Celtic get that early goal, you could tell that the game plan was over. So it was a, a very comfortable performance from Celtic yesterday. Very delighted to walk away with the, the five goals and without any real injury scares. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Marit's Jens later on, but I think that was more a, a precaution thing because you saw him celebrating with the fans at full time as well. But yeah, great performances all over the team. Good to see he's getting into that sort of cycle. And I think at some point this season at Celtic Park or maybe even away from home, we could be pushing for a double figures result. Oh, I heard this last season. I heard this last season, Colin. That's bold. Um, so Colin reckons we didn't get in the top gear, Kevin. We still put them to the sword, 5 nothing. What do you make of the Colin's comments regarding the pitch, first of all, right? Um, because, you know, these teams can be turned over by a Celtic side, Colin reckons we're in second and third gear, 5 nil. They need to get every margin they possibly can to try and make it competitive. Now, I don't agree with elbows and roughhouse tactics, but, you know, long grass at Tynecastle, dry astro pitch at uh, Kilmarnock, what's your take on it? Is it just basically they, they've got to try and shorten that gap any way they possibly can? I think they have. Before I answer that, I'm just going to say, I'm just chuckling away to myself at some of the comments that are coming in about my appearance today. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been tangled. Paul's just decided to shine a nice bright light on my face here. So it's his doing. The Greek Adonis. The Greek Adonis. Aye. Aye. Yeah, he's got, a wee bit, he's got a wee bit of the Georgia Samaras about you there, sir. Oh, um, I'll bring the comments up once I find them. But yeah, I'll, I'll uh, do that well, sure. Having a wee chat about the, the margins, the fine margins that these teams try to tap into to compete with a team like Celtic. Aye. I think they've got to go for the fine margins. And I think... Conversely, we do it when we play against the bigger teams. You always try and find that wee bit of edge that you can get somewhere. Um, you know, if we go and play a Barcelona, Real Madrid away from home in Europe, we're going to look to get whatever advantage we can. So we're going to do the same at Celtic Park as well, make it as difficult as possible. I totally disagree with having an AstroTurf pitch in the top flight of any league in in Europe, I don't think it should be there. Um, I can understand why clubs have it for the revenue mm -hmm. side of things, away from the pit, uh, away from the game. Um, and if you've got one, I might not think you should have it, but use it to your advantage. If you're not going to water the pitch, if you think that's going to hinder your opponent, you do it. You've been training on it to win the game or to, to stop your opponent. 
it's it's just football. You just you just take whatever advantage you can get, whether, mm. whether we like it or not. And then it's up to us to to play against that. And the team that we've got on paper should be good enough to win every game we play. Um, and Colin's right. I think there will be a time we might not get to double figures, but we will give someone an absolute doing at some point in this season if we keep on playing to the the standard that we have. Yeah. And then we keep on improving like we did throughout last season. It's, it's a good comment and there's a few people agreeing with you in the comment section which I'll bring up here. Um, in relation to the plastic pitches and that whole debate whether or not they should even exist in the top tier, I asked uh, our guest from Celtic Down Under yesterday on the match day, Sean, uh, what the situation is in Australia. He says it's very rare for a plastic pitch to be used, certainly not in the top tier. What's the situation over in uh, Hungary, Kevin? What can you tell us about the artificial surfaces over there? Yeah, um, off the top of my head, I don't think anyone in the top flight has an artificial surface. I'm not sure if it's banned or not, but then they're all sure they're all grass in the top level. In the second tier, there's a few of the artificial surface, um, but the standard's not always that great anyway. Mm. So uh, they just kind of get on with it, play the game. But top flight football in Hungary is all in grass, and I think I think that's just the way it should be. Because we saw, sorry, we saw a few times during the game. And there's one in the first half. The ball just takes an awkward bounce in the box away from Matt O'Reilly when he's maybe got a chance to, to knock one in. You don't get that on grass. You get a truer bounce. Yeah. So. Yeah, what were you saying, Colin? I was going to say, I mean, there's no excuse at the top level in Scottish football. When you take a look at some of the parks and the lower leagues, then they are all managing to maintain a grass park for 12 months of the, the year. I mm. mean, Greenock is traditionally one of the wettest parts of Scotland and year after year uh, Mark, who's the groundsman at um, Capelo has received numerous awards for how he's managed to keep that park they barely ever have a game that's called off for it being waterlogged or whatever, so I don't think there's any excuse for a team in the top flight to have a plastic pitch, yes you can generate extra revenue from it but, I mean (laughs) at the end of the day we're, we're, we're kind of set on grass. Football's been played on grass for generations. It doesn't need to evolve into a plastic pitch, especially when you look at it. I know there's, someone was saying that the data suggests that Celtic's performances on plastic pitches sort of tie in with their grass performances, but with the probably lesser amount of games played on plastic, if you were to play more regularly on plastic, you'd probably see that skew quite a bit because there is only so many teams that play on that. I just don't see there being any need for a team like Kilmarnock, especially if they're deciding that they're not going to give away fans extra tickets and they think that this is a way to generate revenue to then decide that we're going to save money and play in a plastic pitch. Colin, I think it's a good point because there is a contradiction there. I would like to see the figures as to uh, this money-saving um, idea around artificial pitches. What does it save you? And as Colin just says there, on the other hand, you're throwing 200 grand away by not allowing more Celtic fans into the stadium. So, uh, good point, Colin. Well-made, young man. We're 35 games unbeaten in the league. September the 19th was when Livingston beat us on a plastic pitch, <laughs> incidentally. Uh, so we're going on for a whole year under Ange Postecoglou without defeat in the league games. And we've started this season off, I was talking to Kevin in the car on the way through, we've started this season off almost in full throttle. And it kind of flies in the face of this theory, Colin, I'll stick with you just now, that 
you know, by making the permanent moves for Jota and CCV, we weren't actually improving the side. What a nonsense that's been as well, isn't it? Uh, we, we spoke about this last week. I, there's no rhyme or reason to that. That was just a kind of um, throw it out and if you say it enough times, it will stick sort of thing. I mean, we've seen it numerous times in the, the Scottish media where people just throw out absolute nonsense and as long as you say it often enough, it becomes fact. And I'm sure everybody knows the big thing in 2012 that we're talking about. Um, but when you take a look at it, players at the age of Jota and Cameron Carter-Vickers, they are there to develop. If you take a look at a, an 18 or a 19-year-old coming through, and we spoke about um, Leila Bada, who I thought actually mm. had a very good game when he came on as well. We keep saying, well, when Leila Bada has another two seasons under his belt, how good is he going to be? Now, that's not a new signing every season, but it is a development of a player. And it's the same with Car- Carter Vickers and with Jota. You're not yeah. buying the player that came on loan 12 months ago. You're buying that player that's had the 12 months experience playing for Celtic, playing at a high level, playing in European football. They are going to get better every single week under that coaching of Ange Postacoglu and playing at that high level. This is why when we're talking about guys like um, Stephen Welsh, who again was sort of He's still kind of coming back from that injury, sitting on the, the peripheral of the first team. If he was to go on loan this season, I think it would be better for his development playing week in, week out than just being part of that Celtic squad. And it's not a, a sort of dig at the player. It's you just want him to improve. And the only way you can improve is by playing week in, week out. Look at already the steps that's been made by Liam Scales up at Aberdeen and by Adam Montgomery playing at St Johnston. They're getting the time to play week in, week out. You can't guarantee that as Celtic get them out on loan. It just helps their development. There's a couple of things on that because we've spoken about loans a hell of a lot, Colin. You used to keep an eye on all the loan deals that were um, out playing all over Europe at times. And there's a couple of things. I've always been a, a big supporter of having the loan players, if possible, playing in our league. And I've said it a million times. And it's, you know, it acclimatises them to the level that that you expect them to play at once they come back, but also they might weaken the opposition. And I don't mean obviously the team they're at, they might weaken the opposition as in they might score a winning goal against Rangers or, you know, save a penalty or whatever it may be. So I, I do agree with that. But I just think sometimes with the, the loan deals, it can be a bit sporadic. You you know, they can be all over Europe and you wonder about philosophy and, and style and, and principles of Ange Postacoglu. And it's really important what the destination is if you put a player out on loan, if you intend on them coming back. You know, so we've had some success stories in Chris Iyer, Ryan Christie, Callum McGregor famously as well, Tommy Rogic as well, took a wee loan, loan spell away from the club, came yeah. back. And I just think we've seen enough successes to know that it does work, but I just think the destination is vital. And I sometimes wonder why we don't maintain some kind of uh, relationship with people who have been at the club who have gone on to manage. You know, there's so many of them out there and, you know, they know the philosophy. I mean, Scott Brown knows the philosophy of Celtic and the way that we play and the winning mentality. And you think to yourself, you know, two or three players down there could work. You know, Ronnie Dyler's in in Belgium. You'd feel confident if he took a couple. I know it's not as simple as that, but I just think the destination's so important, Kevin, with the loanees. Because, I mean, if we were to loan out Stephen Welsh and sell Julien, which looks to be on the cards, you're then wondering if, if you're a wee bit short in the central defensive kind of areas. What would you do with Stephen Welsh? Oh, um, I think I'm with Colin on this one. I think it's. Uh, I think he needs to go out on loan. I think, uh, I think Welsh is a player that's got a lot of potential. 
um, but he needs games and he'll never reach his potential if he doesn't play games um, we've seen in the games that he has played that he's he's fairly solid prone to a wee mistake every now and again as everyone is he's only young but I think if he goes out gets a full season somewhere as a mainstay in the team that, that can only benefit him what I'd like to see Celtic do and this is what a lot of the bigger teams do as well is they've got a loans manager yeah. So you, yeah. you have someone that goes out and actually identifies your five or six players going to go out on loan for the season and picks the clubs. And like you say, Paul, they're probably picked with that. This team plays with a similar style to us. Mm. They've got a similar philosophy. They've got an ex-player, ex-Celtic player as manager, so we know the expectations. I think that's something I'd like to see us implement. And then that way, again, when the player comes back, you're thinking he's going to be more ready to come mm. in and play for us rather than just... He's gone out, he's got a year's football under his belt, but he's not improved. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Gary Caldwell did that job at Man City before he went to Hibs with Maloney, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, I yeah. think so. And when you look at it, I mean, going up to Aberdeen for Liam Scales, it's a sort of similar style of football that Jim Goodwin's trying to introduce up there. Um, Adam Montgomery playing at uh, St Johnston. I think Callum Davidson's always been someone who's tried to play a bit of football. But I'd also like to see maybe one or two of the players going to a team like a, a Livingston. See the teams that we've traditionally struggled to break down? Because if you're there for 12 months, you understand a bit more of what goes into their tactics and you understand how at training you're able to break through them. And mm. that knowledge can be passed back when you come back. It's, a, it's almost a bit like a kind of cheap scouting mission, but it, there's players that are definitely going to get a game. Cool. <laughs> Remember when Kevin Graham asked Brian McClare about spies in the camp? Remember? Yeah. It's a wee bit like what you're saying there, but McClare tore him to shreds to a live audience. It was hilarious, Kevin McCluskey. If you have not seen it, have a look on YouTube because it's on there. Uh, Brian McClare handing Kevin Graham his backside uh, in front of a live audience. Hilarious. Magnet 67, afternoon Axon team, simply sensational from start to finish on a terrible surface. And Cal Mack and O'Reilly had quiet games. Loved Big Ange at the end. He just gets us. Um, he certainly does, I, there's no doubt about that and um, we're really in a, 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 a kind of position at the moment where we're playing a game a week Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And you just can't wait for the next game to come round. We're looking fresh. That's going to change during the season when you're getting two games every single week. Jerry Coyle put good money on gents, double figures. Uh, who was the last Celtic defender to hit double figures? Anybody? I know that Julien was quite prolific, but I think he got nine. Didn't he get nine one season? I'm not sure he got double figures. There you go. Have a wee think about that. I wonder if, I wonder if Van Dyke ever got anywhere near that. I'm not so sure. Um, he, he, he could hit the odd free kick. Maybe Charlie Mulgrew? 
Chaz, possibly, possibly. Oh, um, let us know in the comments, who was the last Celtic defender to score double figures in a season? Was it Charlie McGrew? Was it Van Dijk? Um, McManus was good for a goal. Don't ever think he scored double figures, though. No, I remember the two goals that he got at Tynecastle that we totally turned the game around in the last couple of minutes, getting an injury time. Mm. And then there was that one against Milan. Magnet 67, I said it last season and I'll stick by it. I reckon we will get a double figures win this season against someone. I mean, we spoke at half-time, Kevin, about uh, how sometimes you're phenomenal in the first half. And we actually likened it to a game up at Pataudry, where we, we raced into a four-goal lead, do you remember? And McInnes ran up the tunnel, and you thought to yourself, this is going to be seven or eight. But it didn't quite happen in the second half. That happens a lot. You blow a team away in the first half, they change their style in the second half. That didn't happen this time round. How big were the substitutions in making sure that didn't happen, do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I think um, so on that one, if you go in and you're maybe three, four up at half time, there's always the the fear or the prospect that you're just going to take the foot off the gas for a wee bit because the game's won, you don't have to go chasing it. Opposition's going to tighten up because they don't want a hiding. So, But I think under Ange, it's totally different for us now. He does have the thing of we never stop. And he notices it as the game goes on. Um, maybe tempo starts to drop, things aren't happening. And he just turns to the bench. And we've got so much talent on there that can come on and just make things happen now when we need it to. Even when we don't really need it to. You know, 3 nothing up, game's done. Mm-hmm. But he's still pushing to get the win. And that's, or, or to get more goals. And that's uh, that's a fantastic thing to have because that's just drilling into the players from every game. Just, just never stop. Just keep on going, keep on trying to get more goals, entertain the fans. And his subs always seem to make a difference. They just seem to add a little bit extra. And if, if, you're, uh, if you're an opposition defend, defender, you see likes of Furuhashi coming off, but then it's Jack Amakis that's coming on or it's Abada that's coming on. Mm. Like, I mean that's just bound to put the fear into you you're just going to put the hands up and give up I think Yeah, and there's so much hunger on that bench you know they're coming on they're trying to, to win their jerseys um, Colin how, how pivotal were the changes particularly the treble change I know that uh, Gents was, was forced off we'll talk about him later on in the show but that treble change I think it, it really upped the tempo didn't it at that time 65 minutes in yeah definitely and the, the one player I want to kind of highlight here is uh, Aaron Moy and as someone who's kind of split opinions when he came in, and to be honest, he's, I've took a lot of convincing to kind of go over the signing, but yesterday for me, he was just, he was the perfect player to bring on. I mean, I think he had a, he had a pass completion percentage of 100%. He made 24 out of 24 of his passes. Nothing was difficult. Everything was a simple ball, but he was always moving. He was always there to pick the ball up. He was always there to keep, and it kept the attack going. It meant that we didn't have to go back to the centre-halves. It meant we didn't have to go back to, to Joe Hart. We were able to just sort of keep um, Aaron Moy just outside that sort of um, semicircle in the, the, the player's half. And it, it just kind of flowed the ball, whether it went right or left. And it kept the attack going. And I was really impressed by him yesterday. Um, I thought a bad he came on. He was desperate to get the to get at the Kilmarnock left back he put a couple of decent balls over we could have had another couple and then big big Georges he's, he's brilliant he's, he's an absolute game changer at times for, for us um, and he absolutely loves an overhead kick 
how he managed to not make a goalkeeper whilst doing an overhead kick. I, I, he'll tell you he meant it, but absolutely no chance. It was fantastic. Um, and it, as Kev saying, that's the, the difference now. When you looked at, even if you go back to Christmas time last year, obviously we, we'd suffered from a, a couple of injuries. But you looked at the bench then and we were bringing on guys like, and no offence to these guys, they've still got a lot of development to, to do, but Johnny Kenny and we brought on Owen Moffat and we are bringing on guys like that. Now you're actually looking to players and it's like, oh, this guy's a Greek international, you're bringing him on. This guy's an Israeli international, this guy's the Australian captain. You're bringing these guys on that are not just adding experience, they're adding quality. And we've done that very well, I think, in this transfer window so far, is bringing genuine quality into the squad so that you're looking at it and you're saying, well, the first-choice player is very good, but now your second-choice player to get in there is also very good. And I think it brings on the players as well. Guys like Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor has been outstanding for the last six months in a Celtic jersey, and I think it's because he knows that there's someone... He knew we were going to sign a left-back in the summer, and when that left-back came in, it's pushed him to be even better. And I mean, his pass for the first goal yesterday was just outstanding. So... The fact that we're not just bringing in quality, we're developing quality as well, is is fantastic. And just to go back to your, your point on the last um, defender to make double figures, Virgil got 10 in his last season before he left. Did it? Well done. Did you do that uh, research yourself there, Colin, or did somebody comment? Quickly looked it up. <laughs> Quickly looked it up. Wikipedia is your friend. Now, Brown Warrior comes in, you're commenting on YouTube. We are only just getting out of first gear. Just think where we will be in a few weeks when everybody, Mui, Moy, Hatati, etc., are all flying. Absolutely. And again, we spoke about Carter Vickers um, and we spoke about Jota and how season two, you're going to see a different version of these players. I think Hatati comes into that ca- mm-hmm. category, maybe even Juranovic. Um, you know, if he gets an injury free season at Celtic Park, that is, then we should see the best of him. Paddy Lavery, always a pleasure to see you coming in on the comments. There should be no doubts in anyone's mind. Now that Jota is the best player in the SPFL, I'm looking at you, Chris Boy. I'm not sure what you're referring to there, Paddy. Uh, someone suggested that someone else was the best player in the league. That's outrageous. Surely. And, um, I'm going to bring this up because Colin mentioned this earlier. Never understand clubs like Kelly not wanting a full house. Cutting their nose off despite the face financially. Absolutely. We're not going to labour it because we do talk about it quite a bit on a Celtic state of mind. But Colin did make a very good point, Kevin, about the fact that, right, let's save a few quid. And I don't know how much the saving is. You know, when it comes to artificial surface versus the the the, the groundskeeper costs of, of a grass pitch. And then how much are you actually renting that pitch out to make money back? Seriously, is it you know, is it is it gonna be financially viable? And then they get an opportunity to make not just money from tickets but also from the the pie stands and, and refreshments and all that kind of stuff. And they say no. There was a good point made and I think it was from Lawrence yesterday, in relation to the point that Alan Burrows made to JP Mason on Twitter, how they're trying to forge relationships with their existing fan base. And if they've got to give up their seat, then it's almost as if the club don't care about them uh, when Celtic roll into town kind of thing. So that was the point Alan Burrows had made. But Lawrence was saying yesterday it comes down to planning. So if you've got X amount of season tickets... Yeah, you would like to be there or there or there in the stadium, but it's about engagement and ensuring that everybody's going to get in the stadium, everybody's happy, yet if Celtic come to Rugby Park, you can give them two, if not three, stands in the stadium. What's your take on it, Kevin? I mean, I, I, I 
get that I'm looking through green tinted spectacles here. However, surely financially the clubs have got to get a wee bit wiser on that. You would think so. I've no idea how much money they would make off having an artificial surface. They'd need to be written out every evening, I would think, pretty solidly throughout mm-hmm. the, week, the, the year to be making anything from it. So I don't know just how that can be really viable for them. Uh, no, I've not been on a sunbed island, but thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as um, For um, getting fans in the stadium, as a spectacle of nothing else, you want to get as many fans in as possible. You create an atmosphere... If I'm in charge of a club and I know I'm going to have a thousand season ticket holders maximum, I've got a couple of blocks in a stand that I can put them all in. Now, if Alan Burroughs wants to create a community atmosphere with Motherwell, which is fine and I'm all for him doing it, why not stick those thousand fans together and then they have that community atmosphere? You're sitting next to the same thousand people every week. You're coming along, you're building relationships and whatever yeah. there. Yep. You're in with your tribe your crowd every second week mm-hmm. and you have them have them in one stand you don't split them out all over the stadium you leave definitely one stand behind a goal free for your Celtic Rangers fans when they come if not both sell them out like a few years ago I did a bit of research for the Supporters Direct Scotland and the amount of money that the clubs lose is frightening on a on a weekly basis, or mm. sorry, on a game by game basis, by not filling the stands out for these matches. So you you think you've got two home games against Celtic, two against Rangers that you could fill your stadium out, but you'll cut off your nose to spite your face and have it 60 percent full. It's financially it doesn't make any sense. I know you want your fans in there to to make it a home game, but realistically, you're probably going to lose the game anyway. That's <laughs> so, true. That's true. Uh, do you know, so even on it that, doesn't Kev, make any difference. Even on that, Kev, right? So, uh, yesterday's attendance was read out, I think, is about 9,500. And all of that, Celtic get 4,000-something in the, the Chadwick stand where we were based yesterday, right? So that means that, realistically, that there was more Kilmarnock fans than there was Celtic fans at that game. Yep. Did you hear a single Kilmarnock chant? No. No. Absolutely so, not. No. So... What was the point in saying, well, we need more Kilmarnock fans in? Well, you maybe do need more Kilmarnock fans in, but you need them to make a bit of noise for your team as well. It's all right having maybe 30,000, 40,000 if you can get that. But if they're all sitting on their hands, they're going to get outsung by six, 700, depending on who's, how many away fans get in. I know away fans traditionally make more noise, but, I mean, it goes against your argument of having a community team in there if you're not going to make any sort of support for your team. Yesterday, there was 8,500 empty seats. 8,500 empty seats in the stadium. That's more than the capacity of some of the teams in their league. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense at all. The no. thing is, Colin, as Kevin says, if it's thought out properly, um, it's you know, you're not going to have little pockets of fans all over, you know, the stadium. And if they were, you know, within a, an area, 5,000 Kilmarnock fans, then surely there would be more of a community feel, more of a vibe, more of an atmosphere, maybe a wee bit more singing as well. But it's something that will rage on. I I'll never will fully understand that. I remember going to East End Park. It was a cup game. It was a game that um, Rasmussen played in. He might even have scored. I think Rasmussen scored with his knee or something. It must have hit mm-hmm. off him and went in. And we were wearing the Bumblebee, the remake Bumblebee jersey. And I remember being in what is the North Stand East End across from the main stand, right? And they had sold tickets for seats that were being used for Sky Cameras. So whoever had that ticket couldn't sit down. 
They ran out of everything in the kiosks within about 20 minutes. And, it, you know, it just brought home to me how even when a club is given the opportunity to make that wee bit of extra dough, they don't know how to do it. And it's, it's quite amateur. For me, it's amateur. People might accuse me of being, you know, Celtic-minded, which I am. Um, but, you know, in terms of a business strategy, how on earth can you turn away a million quid over four games in a season, Colin? We were, we were, I was looking at it in terms of we were doing the, the State of Scottish Football podcast and we're looking at the revenues. That's, that's twice he's mentioned that. Uh, it's on tonight, <laughs> six o'clock. You can all tune in and watch it. Um, but when we were looking at it, you're looking at the revenue that's going to be generated for Hearts this season when they either make the Europa League group stage or the Conference League group stage because they're guaranteed one of the two. Mm-hmm. And between, uh, between the two of them, um, they're either going to make somewhere between five and eight million pounds. Now, if you look at their annual revenue turnover, yeah, then the season that they were in the championship, they only turned over seven million pounds. When they moved up to the Premier League, it was ten million pounds. So that's almost a fifty percent increase just by the fact that you finished higher up the table. Now, when you when you actually break it down, Hearts got a million pounds almost off UEFA because. Celtic and Rangers had made the, the Europa League group stage. That's a payment that's made out to these clubs to represent the fact that, yes, these clubs are getting extra money for playing in Europe, and here's something that you can go and work towards to your, your transfer budget and your youth development strategy. You take a look at the fact that the, it jumped £5 million from the fact that they went from the Championship to the Premiership. Why is that? They're going to be playing Rangers at home twice, they're going to be playing Celtic at home twice. You can charge your fans more for that and you can actually get additional revenue and you've got what is a terrible TV deal, but it's better when you're in the Premiership than when you're in the Championship. So for these teams to turn away what could potentially be an extra 10 to 15% of their turnover, which then they could go and sign a player, that could make a massive difference to their team. I mean, imagine someone like a Livingston or a St Mirren spending 150 grand. Who can they bring in? Well, last season... St. St. Mirren were very clever and brought in guys like Jamie McGrath and Conor Ronan and it made a massive difference to them because you can see with them not being there this season that they're struggling but now these players are actually Conor Ronan's one of the most wanted players in Scottish football Jamie McGrath had a really good start to his career at um, Dundee United Dylan Levitt at Dundee United again someone that cost very low figures he'll go on and make a big, big profit for them it's all about reinvesting that money properly and actually turning it over because you can see that there is now a demand for players in Scottish football. Yeah. sold players like Calvin Ramsey for £4 million. They sold um, Lewis Ferguson to Italy. The market's now there where people are looking at Scottish football and they're not paying sort of 150 grand tier, 200 grand tier. They're now paying the millions of pounds. There is a, a revenue for these teams to sort of not fully close the gap, but use it as to their advantage to build up where they can't replace the ticket money that Celtic and Rangers can bring in, but they can through the transfer fees. What I love there is how Colin just said they sold them to Italy, like you can turn out for... Mind you, you, you could probably turn out for Italy with that tan. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for.
Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But I think I thought he was playing for Italy. <laughs> the thing is, uh, who is it? Buffon, Pirlo. That's Pirlo, your cat. Pirlo's the cat. Yes. But you're right about the, the players obviously being in demand. Colin, how many of the, the empty seats do you think Celtic could have filled yesterday? Give me a give all me a number. Them. All of them. Everyone. Every single one of them. It's incredible. It really is. You, um, you think about it. Celtic fill up what eight and a half thousand seats at Almondville or the Spaghetti Ad, whatever you want to call it. And there's still people on the day looking for tickets. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that if it went out there, every single one of those seats would have been filled yesterday. And the thing is, anybody you know watching this who doesn't support Celtic will be thinking, ah, you know, that's entitled. That's that's the fans are entitled, etc. Listen, it's about your own club and progressing and developing and making as much money as a business as you possibly can. And surely you can be a successful business and also um, garner this community spirit that Alan Burrows was talking about when he was talking to JP on on Twitter. I always go back to Barry Hearn's comments. Remember he he lambasted Scottish football, uh, those running Scottish football, calling them lazy and saying that those at the top um, had nothing but self pity and all the rest of it I tend to agree with that I also remember listening to an Anfield rap um, podcast years ago uh, and they spoke about how Liverpool employed somebody to come in and fill the seats and the guy was getting interviewed can't remember his name he was talking about how there should never be an empty seat at a football stadium if the club are doing their job right so Colin I'd totally agree with that right um, even if it means making sure that schools and all the rest of it mm-hmm. are, are given allocations and all that to get kids into the game and into the team I speak to people Big Mikey that that you know as well Colin mm-hmm. who is a, he's a massive he is actually a massive Pars fan because when you say that people say oh how tall is he he is, he is massive he's about mm-hmm. 6 foot 5 but he supported Dunfermline all his life and he talks about the experience of someone from Dunfermline it might have been Ian Westwater visiting his school and that was unhooked, you know. And and it's just these things, you know, tapping into the communities and um, also people who are underprivileged and the unemployed and all that. Get them in the stadiums because I'd rather that than empty seats. Um, I want to run through... Well, oh, sorry. When you look at that, I think, to be fair to Kilmarnock, they have done certain initiatives to try and get the fans into the stadium. They've got the standing sections in there. Lo and behold, everybody that was standing in a uh, that was in a standing section yesterday was pretty much seated for the whole game but they are doing things to try and generate revenue but if the fan base aren't buying into it then you've got to look at just look at Ross County Ross County says we're going to cut the Celtic allocation because we're going to get the fans back in up here and then for the game four weeks later they've went nah it didn't work we're sorry here's an extra 2,000 tickets for Celtic now Celtic could have turned around and told them where to shove it but at the end of the day they know that the, the demand from the fans is going to be there anyway so they can't really do that. If Kilmarnock were to turn around again and say, well, for the second game of the season, you're going to get half of the stand on the right-hand side because the old um, away stand that you used to get now, they've put offices in there. There's offices in the second half of the, the stand, so you'll not fill the 4,000 again. Um, but we'll, we'll get you in the, the stand on the right-hand side where the, the dugout is because that was half empty yesterday. We'll move everybody over for the one game. The, Celtic will take it up but I mean it's, it is pettiness from the other teams in the league to do See that. the thing 
you get an insight, Colin, and I don't want to mention that again, but I'm going to have to your State of Scottish Football show. Um, you get an insight <laughs> from <laughs> yeah, other fans and what they think about Celtic, right? You, you do get an insight, Colin, right? And by the way, they don't think much of Celtic. And I think there needs to be a real shift in attitude from the clubs. They need to embrace rather than, than uh, hold the clubs in contempt. They've just got to embrace it. You, Scottish football's got two massive clubs, which is really an anomaly um, because Scottish football shouldn't have... Uh, the strength that it actually has in, in those two clubs, but it does. And instead of embracing it, they, they seem to just treat the two clubs with contempt. I mean, obviously, I'm talking from a Celtic perspective, and I just think that um, if they can cash in, they certainly should. Let's talk about th- uh, some of the goals then. We'll start off with Kyogo. Um, I think that goal's all about Greg Taylor. So let's focus on Taylor, first and foremost. Uh, big nods from Kevin McCluskey <laughs> talking about Taylor. And we've got Slick Rick. Uh, love it. Can we all join the Greg Taylor fan club group chat Amy always talks about? Well, you'll need to ask Amy because I don't know if you need passwords and all that and you need to know the answers to uh, secret questions and everything. But yeah, big supporters of Greg Taylor on Axom. He's been a revelation, not just this season, as Colin says, for the last six months, Kevin. He has been. You know my feelings on, on Greg Taylor, Paul, quite well. He's uh, he's my boy in that defence. He's, he's a, my boy. He's, he's my boy. I think he's a fantastic player for us. Always liked him as a natural left back. I think he's, um, as I've said before, he was never going to be the Kieran Tierney bombing up and down the line. But he's a solid left back. I always thought he did a decent job. But this inverted fullback role where he actually gets to show off his range of passing that no one knew he had is just, you know, fitting him down to the ground. And that pass yesterday... It was unreal, you know. But he's basically in the halfway line, and he's, he's split the defence through pass for Maeda, one touch across Kyogo, easy goal, and he's done that week in week out for the last season now. Really, he's um, he's, he's such an improved player from the one that he was when Ange came in, and I've I've just got nothing but praise for him. And as I've said on other podcasts, I'll happily sit down and just talk about him for an hour and the work that he does for the team. He's such an unsung hero. Yes, and some days calling you Pablo Escobar in the comments now as well, Kevin. So you're getting all, <laughs> I'm getting you're getting all the doppelgangers. Um, Greg Taylor, we spoke, Colin came up with a, a novel idea of sending people out to the teams with the plastic pitches so that they can uh, acclimatise and work almost as spies to come back and uh, fill in Ange Postacoglu. However, Colin... Greg Taylor playing on that plastic pitch, you, you knew that he, he knew every blade of grass on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that pass, that pass was incredible uh, for the opening goal. Absolutely. I mean, being behind it as well as we were in the stand, it was just to see that that gap, that gap isn't massive to get that ball through to Maeda. It had to be pinpoint, and it absolutely was. Um, Greg Taylor, it was, we spoke about him towards the end of last season. Um, I think the second half of last year, he really came on to a game. Um, and we're saying just before the, the semi-final that we lost, I says it won't be long before Greg Taylor gets a goal for Celtic because the positions that he's getting himself into, and he's finding himself so much higher up the park, that eventually he's going to just put one in the back of the net. And obviously he did that in the semi-final. But now he's one of those players where a lot of people are saying, well, he's a defender, he's got to defend as well. But he is. But he's defending so further, so far further up the park. You go back to the goal, I think it was the second goal against Ross County last week. He wins the ball back about 25 yards from the Ross County goal and mm-hmm. it sets up the attack. Now, we've always heard the, the sort of saying the best form of defence is attack, but with Greg Taylor at the minute, that's exactly where it is. It's winning that ball further up the park. It means that it takes the pressure off your back too that's sitting there. 
um, three if the, the sort of right back comes in as well. But winning that ball, turning it over, it puts the pressure back on to come on. It puts the pressure back on to the opposition. So they're not getting that chance to reset. And I think that's where you see some of the goals from yesterday actually coming from the fact that a couple of these commander players were sort of all over the place. We weren't sure who to mark, and it's because we can turn that ball over a lot quicker than what we did last season. Um, and Greg Taylor being in that left back position, um, and again, he could have scored yesterday as well. He had a great opportunity uh, to score. I'm, I'm a really big fan of Greg Taylor. I think he's someone who knows that he's not going to be the best player in the world. But he gives 100% for that jersey every week. And he's, he's never really let the club down. And that's the kind of players that you want. And I think that's the kind of players that Ange Postecoglou would definitely have at the top of his sort of team sheet. I don't know what it is with Scotland and left-backs at the moment, but we seem to have quite a few at our disposal. Uh, I'm going to bring in a comment from Ridiculizer. Great goals, but it is exactly what we should be doing week in, week out with teams we do off in budget. I'll be impressed when we do it in Europe. Is yeah. that you and Murray commenting? <laughs> that's exactly what you and Murray's been saying the whole week on Twitter. Is it? Is that uh, these big teams really shouldn't celebrate these victories because they budget the the budgets dwarf the other teams. So we've maybe unmasked ridiculizer as you and Murray. Well, you know, a lot of people do tune in under pseudonyms, but I don't know ridiculizer. Um, to be honest, I don't really uh, read the the comments that you were referring to on Twitter there. Colin, however, what I would say on that is it's not as simple as that. Otherwise, Celtic would never get beat. You know, it's just a nonsense to say that, you know, um, oh, you should win. You should because of the, the budgets. That's not what happens. It's, it's a, a loving v. a loving man sport at the end of the day. It comes down to so many other factors. If that was the case, Manchester United would be doing better, right? You oh, know, because if it comes yeah. to budgets, you know, it's true, that though. Was, they, were, they were shocking. That's another podcast itself on how not to play the sort of Celtic style of football. Yeah, and uh, obviously we've got the meme now of Hickey shoulder-barging Ronaldo, uh, which was an interesting bit of content as well. Um, I'm looking at Abada now, two games on the trot, I'm thinking, surely he's going to get this jersey. What do we do with him, Kevin? I think he's been very well managed by Ange. Last season comes in, teenager, spoken about the effect of near Beaton, it's his brother for life and everything else. Um, he doesn't have that there, but he's also got a support net- network because he has got to know his teammates. Yet, he isn't a first pick at this moment in time. Will it come? Do you think he is, in effect, a better option on the right? I think it'll come for him. I think Angie's playing the long game. We're, we're three games into the season and he's got a preferred team at the moment that's working for him. And then he's got someone like Abada that he can call off the bench who just adds that wee bit extra quality that might have been <coughs> excuse me, might have been waning as the game went on. His time will come. He'll get plenty starts as the season goes on. And I mean, what a player to have as that other option to either replace Jota or replace Maeda on either of the flanks when you need him. But I absolutely no worries about him that his uh, his games will come and well, he's another one that's going to have another big, big season for us, I think. It said, looks like it. Aye, yeah. said last season he came in and he uh, he overachieved big time, you would think, because he, he just hit the ground running. He had near beat on there, as he said, to kind of guide him through. Now he doesn't need him. He's his own man in more ways than one, I think. And he's um, if he just keeps on coming on, putting in those wee cameos that he's doing, then sooner or later he's going to make it really difficult for Ange not to start him. 
Yeah. And then you've got the prospect of you're bringing Maeda off the bench for the last 20 minutes and then having his pace running at defenders. But it's, um, it's a brilliant, brilliant place to be in the complete turnaround for 12 months ago. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a stat sheet here that kind of shows Maeda against Kilmarnock yesterday. According to this, he had 100% accurate crossing, 88% pass accuracy, 18 pressures, as in like closing people down, the highest in the team, five counter pressures chasing back to win the ball, the highest in the team, seven touches in the box, three key passes, two assists yesterday, um, one interception and one clearance. When players are playing like that and you still don't think, oh, he's having the best game, that just shows you the kind of level that you're getting to. I mean, I thought Maeda was very, very good yesterday, but you still think back to the way he was last year and you think there's even more to come out of him. Mm. So guys like Abada, yeah, it's difficult. They're going to have to sort of bide their time and wait for maybe an injury or for someone to drop in form for them to get on the park. But when you're playing that sort of style of football, and as I said, I think every game we've sort of stepped it up bit by bit by bit and there's more to come. You would struggle to try and change that team right now. You would, you, you've always got that thing: never change a winning formula, and that's the way it is with Celtic just now. I mean, I, I heard that Celtic played Queens Park in a friendly during the week behind closed doors friendly, and you look at the team that played in that. They had uh, Seagrass and Goal, Welsh and Julian playing, uh, Burnaby and um, Ralston in the midfield. Aaron Moy started alongside James McCarthy, guys like that. Uh, and up front was Jack and Marcus and Abada played in that game as well. And you're thinking, going, if that's a bounce team game, I would fancy us to beat almost every single team in that league with that team. So that's the kind of squad depth that we've got now, and it's frightening. Uh, yeah, it's almost a reserve team. Back in the day, of course, um, they used to play that game pre-season. It was the A team against the B team. Bizarrely enough, they called the, the hoops the stripes believe it or not, and the away team used to wear the shamrock top, very similar to the one behind me here. Um, but, you know, you had two very, very strong teams pitting themselves up against it. And that side that you just uh, named there just now there, Colin, is, is a very, very strong side. And like you say, it probably would beat most teams in the league. Ridiculizer comes back in. Um, you're more Paul Hartley than George Samaras. <laughs> Did your man Ewan Murray say that during the week on Twitter, Colin? <laughs> I'm not sure. No, uh, Donny Boy 67 with the best avatar on YouTube. Regarding the plastic pitches, no club wants to give the opposition the edge on their home ground, so teams will use any advantage they can. We have our own ground suited to our team and won't change it. Interesting point that because obviously we do have uh, the vast expanses of Celtic Park, which I think benefits our style of play. What a goal! Uh, Jota 34 minutes in, 2 nothing. We've not even spoken about Jota. Over to you, Kevin McCluskey. What a player. Where do we start with him? And some people think he's not the best player in Scotland. It's unreal. He's a, he's a phenomenal talent. I, um, again, said it one game last season, that being abroad, I don't get to see him live and in the flesh like you guys do every week. In the game that I saw him over in, at Ferenc Varos, it's the little flicks and touches that he does. Everything's done with a purpose. He's so just so talented. The way that he, he runs with the ball at his feet, there's no defender that can cope with that. And now he's he seemed to be adding the shot to his game that he didn't seem to have last season. Everything was a bit more measured, I think you would call it, last season. But now he's 25 yards out, sees a gap, just goes for it and puts one in the top corner. 
he is a phenomenal talent and uh, uh, maybe I'll get a few other comments in the, the section here for this one but we should make the most of him while we've got him because he's, he's that level of talent that he'll, he'll go and play for richer clubs than Celtic maybe not better but he'll go and play for a richer club than Celtic um, because he's he'll he's a guy that'll just catch the eye of scouts all over Europe I think if he keeps on going as he is yeah, 100%. And it does lead us on to that. Yeah, we don't want to think of a of a time, Colin, where we don't have Jota um, to brighten up our afternoons. But when a player stars for Celtic, inevitably there is interest. We've already had interest apparently this season for Juranovic from a number of sources. Atletico Madrid and Chelsea have been mentioned. And there has also been apparent interest for Matt O'Reilly. And that was uh, Leicester City. I think I've been interested in O'Reilly. So it's going to happen. And we had a whole podcast dedicated to the fact that for the first time in five years, we weren't going to sell one of our assets. Remember that? And then Romano (laughs) disagreed. (laughs) Uh, uh, What does he know? Anyway, and uh, what, what Kevin's saying is true. You have a season like that, especially if you do it uh, on the biggest stage in Europe and you're going to get interest. Colin, am I, a, am I a dreamer? I, you know, because I keep going on about this plan where we have the team together for three years under Ange, three or four years to really see it develop. Is that realistic? I think if you can make a dent in Europe, then you can keep these players for maybe two or three seasons. I think if we go down the sort of route of maybe not getting out of the group stage or maybe not having European football after Christmas, then it becomes more difficult to um, say to these players, look, we'd like you to stay another season. Um, Because we know that sort of carrot of of European football is one of the things that we use to attract people to the club. So Jota, 23 years old, he could stay here for two or three seasons. He'd be 26, 25, 26, and at that point he's coming into the prime. And we're saying that he's fantastic now, but he's just about to come into the prime of his career. So you just wonder what kind of clubs would be interested in him, what sort of transfer fee you'd be talking about then. Um, And it's the same with uh, some of the other players that's coming through. Juranovic is slightly different because he was that bit older, and I think that was the argument, was the fact that it's potentially he is in his prime just now, so that is the time that Celtic could make their money off him. Um, But on Jota, he seems to be the player that we saw in glimpses last season but he's now almost been given this additional freedom this year you're seeing him getting in the spaces you're seeing him sort of um, quite casually taking players on knowing that he's better than them and that is, that's fantastic to see because it gets player, it gets fans off their seat already in three league games this season he's got two goals and three assists mm-hmm. it should be three goals because he should have buried that one in the first half as well yesterday, the one that um, the goalkeeper made the save from. But, I mean, that is sort of statistics over the first three games. If he carries that on through the whole season, you're talking about someone who's potentially going to bang in upwards of 30 to 40 goals when they have 30, 40 assists. It's going to be very difficult, if that is the case, to keep a hold of him. But, as you say, you've got to enjoy him while you can and just kind of continue to invest in the club and continue to invest in the playing squad and it will make it that slight bit easier to keep a hold of these big players 
Yeah, yeah, and you're right. I think Champions League is a massive carrot, without a doubt. And we've not done well enough in it in the last five years. Uh, Tim Billy, all pitches should be grass. The greener, the better. <laughs> uh, there's no arguments here with that one. And Paul Cook, classy touch from Jota yesterday, praising Greg Taylor in his post-game interview. Real show of togetherness in our camp. He has been a touch of class since he came to the club. There is no doubt about that. But talking about class, what about our centre-half, Maritz Jens? with the overhead kick. Kevin McCluskey, Colin and I have already spoken about our previous defender by the name of Maritz, and I think that I'm kind of warming to Jens a wee bit more than I did to Bauer, even though I did like Bauer. I don't think that's a difficult one, Paul. I think, uh, I think in his first appearance against Norwich, Jens had probably done more to impress than Bayer did in his... Am I the only Celtic fan that didn't mind Maritz Bauer? I think no, probably. Alan told us he was the best right back that season, so... It's you and, Alan, you and Alan against the world, I think, at the moment. I, I He's crossed balls for brilliant. that season, though, Colin. <laughs> Remember he turned up at a, a, a player's dance dressed as Inspector Gadget as well, remember? With the hat and all that. Scott yeah, Brown was running about with his jacket on. Yeah. Ah, well, I, he's, I think he's now with UFA which was a team that Bolingoli was loaned out to, one of them. Anyway, anyway, back to the main man. Jens, he comes in, uh, he scores the overhead kick. He's, he's, for me, I just think he's been tremendous. He's a, he's a centre-half who's grabbing goals. That's what we were kind of crying out for. We thought we'd lost a bit of that with Julien fading out of the team as well. Kevin, how impressed have you been I've by the been, big man? I've been really impressed by him so far. See, I'll even go back to that Norwich game when he came on for the last 10 minutes or whatever. He just looked really composed in the ball and you're thinking, all right, it's, it's only a friendly game. Let's see how he does in a competitive game. But he's just carried that on in the couple of games that he's played. For years, we've lacked that um, that real threat from corners and free kicks. The the big boy that, that just goes and wins the ball, challenges for it and scores the goals from the back. And He's come in, he's done that already. Two goals in these last two games. He's a threat at both ends of the park. Uh, well, not a threat at both ends of the park, but you know what I mean? He's good in there at both ends of the park. He'll, he'll clear the ball away uh, defensively and then he's he's got in raised two goals already. Very comfortable in the ball. Looks to have a good relationship with Carter Vickers already. So I'm, I'm really positive about what he can do. You're still getting stuck in the comments. I know every single one's coming through. I'm trying not. It's to a very healthy there. glow you've got going on there, is, Kevin. Come on. Is, and it's all your fault for shining that light in my face. I'm actually really peely wally. <laughs> Nothing like it. Uh, even Jota's reaction to Starfield's goal. Pete McGee points it out. Absolutely, there's a real togetherness calling at the moment with this team, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. You can see it even towards the end of the game. Um, all the the players coming down to the fans and appreciating their support throughout the game as well and everyone getting involved in sort of celebrations. Um, yeah, I mean, Jens has sort of stepped into that position. I think and if, what really impressed me about Jens yesterday was there was a time in the first half where coming down that sort of... The left-hand side of Celtic's defence, the right attacking side of Kilmarnock, there was a couple of players that slipped up and he was one of them. He was found himself out of position, and it was all to do with the pitch. It wasn't to do with the players themselves. You could you could tell it was the pitch, and then the next thing he gave the ball away, and then he tried to clear and it didn't go too far. And you're thinking a player like that, it either goes to their head, and they're kind of struggling throughout the game, or they can use their experience and get over it. And Jens yesterday used his experience to go over it. He scored a fantastic goal and he was very comfortable for the rest of the game. So 
it was it's one of those things where you've seen Celtic players before if they have a poor start to a game or if they have a kind of off start to a game like Julian did against London Dykes at Livingston it totally gets into their head and they can't get it out for the rest of the game and it affects their performance Jens was able to go over that as well especially with the way that he was treated in the first couple of minutes with Lafferty the way he was throwing his elbows about I think he kind of ended up with a, a stud to the, the leg as well it's He's showed every bit of the experience that he's got to guide himself through that and having that partnership, I think, with himself and Cameron Carter-Vickers at the moment, it's going to be very difficult for Staffelt to get his jersey back as much as it was a great scene to see Staffelt finally break his duck for Celtic yesterday. Finally, absolutely. 50 games in and he scores a goal. When is the draw for the Champions League? I think it's the 25th of August, isn't it, Colin? Next Friday, yeah. Champions League nice draw and the Godfather and I'm sure we will be able to look at that and analyse it um, we want to talk a little bit about a bit of gossip that doesn't seem to be going away on Ross Barkley I'm going to ask Colin about that but uh, yeah Starfield scores and with his left foot as well Kevin McCluskey the centre halves have started scoring goals um, and it's so important at that stage and I made, I made a wee note here it's great to, to score as many as possible any day of the week however the goal difference obviously is superior at that point we're on 8 and our nearest challengers are on 7 and then we score another with a Yakamakis overhead kick as well um, but again it gives us that that Real dilemma, which is a good thing for for Ange, where you've got two guys running for you know you know inclusion in your starting lineup, Hugo and Yakamakis. Um, but I just think that someone mentioned before that Colin said that it's difficult to make any changes in the team. But I just think it depends on the game, depends on the opposition. I mean, there's certain teams I would probably start Yakamakis over Kyogo, and it's nothing to do with a lack of form. And Kyogo's part But when he's come on He certainly reminded us yesterday That uh, what he can do as well Kevin Yakimakis Yeah um, It's actually something I was going to say earlier on When Colin was talking about The teams And who comes in and out We saw it last season When we played Livingston At Almond Vale um, That was the game Juranovic dropped out And Ralston came in And there was a couple of Other changes I can't quite remember Who they were But everyone's thinking Juranovic is the best Right back in the country Why are you taking him out Why is Ralston come in because the game fitted Anthony Ralston. And Ange will do that throughout the season. He'll just make changes. He'll think, we need a more physical centre-forward up there. Jackie Marcus will come in. We need a little bit less pressing, maybe. Or we need someone that can get in behind the defence a bit more. That's a bad not Maeda. And he'll change his side up from game to game as he sees fit. But keep the nucleus of the team the same. The same as he does it with just those little tactical tweaks of how he plays the game depending on the opposition. Um, so I, I, think, uh, I think it's great that we've got these options now. And, yeah, Big Jack Amakis coming off the bench, another one-touch goal, nutmegging a goalkeeper with an overhead kick. There's your question, who was the last player to do that? Well, I remember no, Dembele doing a back heel through the legs of the goalkeeper, um, but an overhead kick through the, kick through the, the goalie's legs. legs. Ah, was that Dembele as well, maybe against um, Man City? Did uh, I go through the keeper's legs? I went through the keeper's legs. Don't know, I need to check that, Colin. Decent shout, though. Decent shout. Um, Aaron Axom doing a live show for the Champions League draw. What time is it on it? Do you know, Colin? Five o'clock. Five. Ah, we may not be doing that, Michael. We may not. We might go in, what's, what do you call it? Spaces. Might do that. Um, so, one final bit of chat is all around uh, Ross Barkley because, um, you know, it is a, it's a rumour, but it seems to be. 
um, rearing its head time and time again. And I'm going to come to Colin Watt first of all. Colin, what's your thoughts on the rumour that Celtic are pursuing Ross Barkley? Also, another one I'll throw in, Yakamakis comes on, scores a goal. Uh, do we still need another striker or does that all depend on a Yeti's um, departure, uh, whether or not we can get him out the door? I think it will really depend on a Yeti if we can get him out. Um, again, I don't think he's someone who's going to have a place in the squad. Even if one of the, the sort of strikers was injured, they would be there to make up the numbers. I don't think he'd ever be at the point where you're saying, aye, we're, we're going to bring him on, we're, we're going to start him, he's going to be able to change the game because he's, he's not really done that. Um, so I think Celtic will try their best to move him on and if they do, then they'll look at maybe bringing in um, a, a signing similar to Jens where it's a, a player who's maybe not got the, uh, the first team position at the minute. Um, and could be brought in as a, a loan with an option to buy. And I think there's there's plenty of great talent down in the, the English Premier League and the, the sort of B teams and the other 23 teams that they know they're not going to be first choice. And that's got to be kind of made clear to them because they, they are a kind of youth development and they can be brought up. And you never know, you might pick up the next Edward, you might pick up the next Dembele by doing that as well. Um, but at the minute, Yeti's one that's probably picking up wages that are far too high for him to be not even involved in the squad and we need to move him on first um, in terms of Ross Barkley again it would come down to the finances I think that's involved in that we spoke about guys like um, James McCarthy who's got a, an injury history, Aaron Moy who hadn't played a lot of football, uh, Barkley himself he is a talented player, he's got plenty of experience, I think he just kind of faded out of that Chelsea team Round about the time that uh, Jose Mourinho moved on for the second time, it just it wasn't sort of someone who suited the the way that Chelsea's been playing over the last couple of seasons. Um, his performances when he was at Everton, he was a kind of clear standout there, um, and you could tell that he was destined for bigger things. But it's just never happened for him. I think the move to Chelsea probably put him back in his career and he looks like someone who needs that next step to move on. You need to look at guys like Jesse Lingard who moved to uh, Nottingham Forest. He needed that kind of move away from the bigger teams to get himself in his career back on track. If Ross Bartley thinks that he can do that at Celtic then I'd be all for him to give it a try as long as the sort of finances suited our budget. Um, I did say to you before we came on air, I actually met Ross Bartley and I beefed about I don't know, six, seven years ago at uh, Ocean Beach Club, so I'm sure he suits a lot of the, the Celtic players partying uh, and he'll have a great time up here in Scotland if that's the way it is, but no, it's a position we could probably still do and we're strengthening in, in that sort of 8-10 to 10 position. As much as we've brought in uh, Moy, we're still seeing injuries to Hitati, Idiguchi, Turnbull's not had the greatest of starts to the season, but he can certainly improve and I don't really know if we've ever replaced Tom Rogic quite yet so um, having that challenge for guys like O'Reilly and Rogic, O'Reilly and Turnbull um, and having that experience that we spoke about previously it wouldn't be a bad signing as long as it all sort of tied into our budget We shall see how that transpires, it's been a quick hour on this Monday afternoon I've got to thank everybody for getting involved in the chat uh, thanks all for your comments. We know that it's all tongue in cheek when you're slagging off our guest, Kevin McCluskey. At least it's you. It's normally me that gets the slag. Normally you, so I'll take it this time. Oh, good man. And uh, thank you once again, Kevin McCluskey and Colin Watt, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.